Hello and welcome to Heart Standards. My name is Joel Sked and on this occasion I'm not joined by James Kearney. I am joined by Scott McIntosh as we go, as we go, as we plan to answer your questions that we got on social media this week. There's some cracking questions. There was loads. Uh, cut it down to um, a handful for Scott and I. Firstly, I apologise for the late start of this video. Uh, that was uh, my fault. I was too busy watching the... Um, the proposed uh, new right-back for Hearts, uh, Dexter Limbicasia. Uh, been watching clips of him, so um, that should turn into a piece that goes out tomorrow. Secondly, hello, Scott, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, Joel. Yourself? Yeah, good. Busy, busy, but good. Uh, that's, which is... Um, which, which is good because it, may, it means that Hearts have signed uh, or are planning to sign uh, a right-back, which has been the priority. But I'm sure we will talk about that. I think one of the questions is around is around that. Um, let's see. where I've got the questions up. Yeah. How many signings need in January? So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tackle that later on. Let's get... Let's get straight into it. Unfortunately, I apologise to those listening. I have not noted down whose question, uh, which question was from uh, from who. So uh, thank you, anyway, to everyone that sent in the question. But the first one is, what would you like to see us do tactically under Stephen Naismith, medium to long term? And what positions would need to be improved for this to work? So I think... Uh... I think we can agree that with the personnel that we've got specifically defensively, I think moving forward, the back three is going to be, you know, what we're, we're going to look to sort of plowing ahead with. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, the, the evidence is there to suggest that that's probably what we should be doing. I think, therefore, we maybe need to look at how we've recruited in the summer. I, I think some of the, the forward additions that we made in the summer was probably with a sort of back four in mind and potentially a sort of four two three one formation. So I think we maybe need to look at whether certain players are going to adjust to what we've done in the, in, in the last sort of few weeks or a couple of months or if we maybe need to recruit other individuals. I, I've always had this thing specifically about Tynecastle because it's, it's quite a tight park that if we do have wing-backs and if we're utilising the wing-backs correctly in terms of going forward as well, then really what we should be doing within that back three system is actually having two narrow tens playing in behind Lauren Shankland. So for me, that's what I'd quite like to see us do is try and find individuals who, who fit that system uh, and players who can play in those sort of free roles. There's there's potentially players already at the club that can that can play in those pockets of space. Lowry, Grant, Mackay, probably the best examples of that. Uh, I just like the idea of having one or two players that are given sort of a bit of freedom to, to, to be a bit creative and just add that bit of guile that I think we've been missing so far this season. I, yeah, I think... I think medium to long term that you know, I think we'll actually find that Hearts will uh I think Naismith will look to have even more flexible. He's, he's like he's shown his he's shown his flexibility within games, more so within games than game to game. Because at the start of the kind of the first half of the first half of the season, it was back four. Second half it's gonna be in the back three. I think that medium to long term, I think you'll see the it change between a back four and back three more often. Than than it, than it has from like the starting games, just with the way that like looking here, meet them to long terms, like the next uh, like couple of windows and next uh, season or two that 
they they probably look to look at this, the, the squad and have players who can play a back playing a back four. The new signing, for example, I think he, from what I've seen of him so far and what I've read of him, he's more of a right back than than Atkinson is more probably as as a wing back. So I think they'll look to have different options for different systems because you look at the likes of, for example, Oda has not really got a position at the moment, whereas in uh in a four-two-three-one, he's he's someone who sits, uh, suits um, more of a four-two-three-one. So that's what that's what kind of what I see more long, medium to long term is the is probably more flexibility between like you we turn up to games now and you know there's going to be changes because that's the way Stephen Naismith operates. But at the moment, you just you expect right, it's going to be changes, but within uh, within a back three, I think you could come up uh, medium to long term. Go up to Tynecastle, like I'm not sure if we're going to be playing a back four or back three. Uh, today, which I mean, people can argue with. Like, do you want consistency through the lineup, but also it keeps opposition guessing. And again, more time spent on the, the training ground, the more flexibility the, the the players will be be used to. And there is flexibility within within the system. So that's that's how I see it. Within uh, you, going back to your like the two tens behind Shankland, my only my only issue there is pace in the final third. For example, if you've got You've got two wing backs and then Shanklin attack, and then you're playing, for example, let's say uh, Lowry and Mackay behind. I just think that leaves you a wee bit short of that explosive pace that maybe Vargas probably the the, the biggest one that we that could that could offer Hearts an attack. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. I think that's maybe when recruitment needs to have a say as well. You know, if we were to go down that route, I think we probably would need to sort of recruit players with a bit of pace and a bit of drive as well in those areas. Uh, but in terms of what we've got available just now, they would probably be the best examples. I think you're right, though. I think it would be good to have a, a bit of flexibility between the three and the four. I think it all just boils down to having the right personnel. You, sort of, you take the sort of left-centre half sort of position and I look at Kingsley and I look at Rolls and I just think in a four, I'm not as comfortable with him playing left side in a four as I'm in a three. So again, it it, it brings up sort of issues there. Uh, again, fine with Atkinson in a three, in a four, not so much. So I, again, you know, if they want to change it, there's, there's going to need to be changes in terms of sort of personnel as well. But with so many players being out of contract at the end of the season, there is a there's a possibility for a bit of movement in those areas as well. And you look at the fact that you, you, you look at Cochrane and Kingsley, sorry, Cochrane and uh, Rolls is you're two, two of the biggest assets Hearts have. So you're kind of looking long-term that in the night, ideally, this, this sounds really bad and negative. Ideally, they won't be here because they've had so so much success that we have sold them on. And that's 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 how the, the club want to operate. Um, and then you have players coming up from the, the academy or new signs to, 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 uh, to fill that. So, again, I think that's an important part, medium to long term, is that um, uh, kind of player trading model as well. Moving on to kind of sticking with uh, Naismith. Uh, one of the questions was following on, like following on from that. Has Naif, has Naismith fully won you over yet? So this is something we've kind of covered on and off. I think on, on on a few sort of reaction videos to previous results. I think that, and again, just from my own personal point of view, I think that when Stephen Naismith was given the job, 
there was always that risk involved because there was no body of evidence to sort of help support them in those first few weeks when results weren't going our way. So it's very difficult to sort of remain patient or, or sort of keep the faith, so to speak, if, if you've got nothing really to fall back on. And that's always the risk when taking someone on that, that doesn't have that level of experience that you're maybe looking for. I think you can only sort of follow the, the recent evidence and say that it's it's not a case that he's winning you over, but it's a case that he's now provided that evidence to say if we were to go on a a run of say three, four, five games without a result now, say maybe sometime in February and March, I think that there'd be more of a case for fans to say, well, we can see what he can achieve. So we now feel a little bit <clears throat> A little bit less concerned and a little bit more patient to sort of give them time to sort of turn things around again and sort of get another sort of runny games going. Uh, so I think, you know, we're in a better place than where we were back in sort of September and October when we were facing these questions around around Naismith and around his future. Uh, and hopefully that noise has sort of died down to an extent. But there's always a challenge, isn't there? You know, the, the challenge goes from getting results to now you know what it's like as fans, we then start wanting results with a little bit of entertainment thrown in with it as well. So that's the next challenge for him to try and try and overcome. But he's got a bit of credit in the bank. You know, he's had results at Parkhead. He's had a result at Easter Road recently. So that, along with the sort of cushion of the points gap that we've got in most teams below us, will hopefully give him that chance to maybe try and build on what he's done defensively and try and work on some of these issues we've got in terms of, you know, using the ball uh, a, a bit better and having a bit more tempo to our play when, when we're in possession. Yeah, I've just uh, kind of on the last point, I was reading in the, was the evening news this morning that um, Naismith spoke to uh, spoke to Barry and that it's like they put a, put a lot of hard work in, uh, in to give us a foundation and platform to build. Uh, been, uh, so to build, we could be more convincing ones at times. Yes, uh, I think we've had some really good performances. Where did they say and uh, looked? I'm just scrolling down. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, uh, we should aim to dominate most game, go, uh, games and constantly have a threat. I think the attacking side of our game has suffered during the work we have done to make sure we are, are solid further back. And I think that goes kind of back to, this, I think, the, again, the Celtic game, that it was very inconsistent up until that 4-1 defeat. And then it was almost like that was kind of a line in the sand, right? Let's just get almost like back to basics, get our foundation in place and maybe um, roll back some of the attacking ideas to give that solid platform and then build from there, build from there a game. And then since then, I just think you, you look look across the season and rather than like talking about job done or everything's perfect or winning over, you just you just you should be encouraged by like the progress since there and like the, the milestones on the way through and that the uh, number of clean sheets, the defensive record, the uh, the improvement from defending set pieces and crosses, the improvement on winning uh, winning away from home, and then adding in big wins against the, the big wins against Hibs and, and Celtic. That's just all these little things add to again that credit in the bank and gives you encouragement for the second half of the season. No, no, definitely, uh, and 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 I think you know there does there does come a there comes a time as well where you've just got to say enough has been said about this. You know, we, I think we've all kind of talked about this situation to death uh, and it's, look, it's a byproduct of 
having to do reaction videos and having to talk about games for yeah. you know on a week to week basis on podcasts and that that you can come across a bit knee jerk and a bit reactionary. Uh, but I do think you know he's done enough to say let's see where we are come May. Let's try and evaluate that. I think that there's a there's a plus and a minus side just now. He's done really well to get us to third, but he's now put himself in a situation where if we don't finish third, that then is a massive disappointment, given the yeah. position of strength that we're in just now. So it, it's about consolidating what he's done a good job in, in sort of achieving for us thus far. Uh, and I think he, he deserves the chance to do that. And hopefully, you know, over the coming months as well, he and other people in the background are are making plans to try and build on the squad, maybe try and bring down the the numbers within our first team squad to try and allow that integration of the B team members that he's spoken about. Because I would imagine that was a a huge calling card for him when it came to having that interview with the Hearts board a few months ago. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it, it, like not finishing third, and the, there's always like last season, and this the sting of last season should hopefully ensure that that kind of that that doesn't happen, and they kick on after the after the break, and that's that's a, that's a big thing f- for myself is that you listen to haven't like spoken to Nate Smith a lot. He's he everything about him is like the bigger picture. He's he's he kind of long term. He's talked about long term, and I mean it's I think it's like just any manager talking about that the. They um, they all want the t- the time and the and the patience to implement that, and by them saying it, they'll hopefully kind of convince uh, those that make decisions to give them time. But I think Hearts the board naturally will want to give people time to to do so, and that's again something encouraged me about Naismith is that he could what what he could do long term if he gets over like kind of like the short term. Um, demand for success within uh, within within the fan base. Yeah, How- no, I, I agree with that, and I think to, to be fair to him, he's he's well within his rights to talk about long term ambitions. I, it just un- unfortunately, it's a it's a societal thing. It's not just football related. There's just very little patience now yeah. in terms of wanting results for anything in life. And I think football football management's definitely at the top of that list. Uh, and he, he's, that's something he's probably going to have to try and learn is, is, is how to get results, you know, instantly. And that's difficult. It's difficult to achieve. I think every manager in a, a realistic world should get at least sort of three or four transfer windows. I mean, I'm I'm always reluctant to count January as a transfer with as a proper one. It's yeah. kind of just really sticky plaster time uh, for me. You you don't really get a lot of good business done in January. So yeah, I think you should always get at least two summer transfer windows to to try and see what you can build on. But like I say, he's done the job up to this point. We're third. I think you know the fans should be happy with that. There is that defensive thing again. I think. There's been a not a reluctance, but I think we've been slow to maybe pick up on the the defensive uh, aspect of the team because so much was made about what Stephen Naismith was going to bring to us potentially in an offensive uh, <clears throat> in a offensive mindset. Yeah, uh, given how we performed during that sort of seven game spell at the end of last season, so I think that's that's maybe led to there being a bit of a a, a sort of slow sort of acceptance and, and sort of appreciation of what he's achieved up to this point. Just uh, Craig here messaged on YouTube, does anyone have an update on Naismith in terms of you have a coaching badges so we don't go through the same mess as the beginning of the, this season? It's one of those where uh, because 
how it worked was Naismith did his A license, and then usually you'd be able to go straight onto your Pro license. However, I think you have to wait a year uh, before you go from your A to your Pro. And I think as as long as he, if I remember correctly, uh, as long as he is registered on the Pro license, then everything's fine. So no, I don't. There won't be the same. Uh, there won't be the same setup as as uh, at the start of the season. Just a quick one, uh, kind of following on from the, when we were talking about looking ahead to the second half of the season. How do you think it will unfold? It's, I mean, we're, we're in a good position, uh, not just through the fact that we seem to have built up a bit of consistency and continuity. We, we seem to have a spine to the team, which I think is the most important thing. Yep, there's maybe areas out wide and in the final third where there's going to be a little bit of chopping and changing. But, you know, with Benny... Halkett back, uh, Kent, Clark, Shankland. There does seem to be a bit of a spine to the team that we're relying upon now on a week-to-week basis, which is good. I think also <clears throat> other teams are still trying to find their way. I think St Mirren are struggling for goals. That was always going to hit them long-term. I think they managed to sort of divvy out the goals pretty well during those first couple of months, but they've been struggling. You know, Curtis May was never a huge goal scorer for them, but he, he'd maybe get 10 in a season. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't even think they've got that option just now. Uh, I think Aberdeen are going to continue to blow hot and cold because I think Robson's way of playing brings dividends in certain fixtures, but not in others. And and I'm not quite sure how that's just going to change overnight unless he decides to change. Hibs are still trying to pursue this identity, clear identity that Nick Montgomery wants. And I think he's going to need a couple of good transfer windows to bring in the personnel that's going to suit that way of playing as well. So they're going to, they're going to have sort of continuous teething problems there. So I think given that, we are in a good position to to consolidate further. We've got a good run of games coming up where we can really start to build up a, a bit of a gap as well. Uh, it, it's just all about keeping these key players fit. That's That's been our problem over the last sort of year or two. So if these guys who have came back can keep themselves fit, then I'm, I'm confident we can get further. Yeah, I, there's nothing I can uh, I, I can add to that. So we'll move on to a couple of transfer questions. Other than Danda, what one player would you like Hearts to realistically sign from Scotland? Sort of Luke McCowan is probably the one that sort of springs springs to mind. uh, That's the one who's, in terms of players under contract, just because, uh, before you go on, just like Danny Armstrong is a player I like, but it's the same with kind of, we're not going to be able to uh, spend the money that will take to get him from Kilmarnock. Um, Yeah. Whereas like Luke McCowan, yeah, he is he's someone who's who's made a step up and he, he looks like a really, really good player. Plus he's a as far as I'm aware, I think Armstrong's maybe 26, 27. So he's he's already hitting that peak stage. And I don't know where well, first of all, there wouldn't be any resale value in, in bringing him in as well, especially if we had to pay big money. Whereas with McCowan, I think he's 21, 22. So there's a potential there to sort of build on what he's already done and mm-hmm. potentially sort of bring us a, a decent sort of transfer fee further down the line as well. I just like I just like what he brings to that Dundee team, and I think that's something that we we desperately miss. He's slightly different to Danda. I think Danda's more of a sort of technical player, and what you see from Danda is specifically with the ball at his feet. With McEwen, it can also include what he brings to you off the ball as well. So he's a slightly different option uh, to Danda, and he's probably the one that, that really comes to mind and has been for a few months now. Yeah, he's he's an, he, he, absolutely he's someone who, when you see him in the championships, like there's a, there's 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 potential, there's talent there, and then he's 
changes positions like because I always thought of him as uh, as a wide player, but yeah, mm. he's he's moved in central and he's a bit more direct and he's I think he can carry the ball. I think you could he, he, you look at him and just think there's there's probably plenty in terms of the coaching and you can mold him and make him like you said an even better player to to, to sell on. The other player, one of the players that stood out to me was Lewis Mayo at um, at Kilmarnock. Mm. I thought it was a, it was a very good pickup from Kilmarnock because uh, uh, this this summary they had him on loan from Rangers last season made the deal permanent. He can play uh, right back in a four. He can play as a centre back in a four, and he can play centre back in a in a back three. I just think he is he's just a really solid, reliable defender and. Just the type of defender you, you you when it comes to defenders, you don't want your defenders to be erratic. You want you want your defenders to when you turn up on a Saturday, you know what you're going to get from them, and he does that. Yeah. And again, he's he's at an age where the, the commander could probably look at it the way they've got him. I think they've got him under contract until twenty twenty six, maybe. Um, Lewis Mail, yeah, twenty twenty six. So they they they'll probably look. Derek McInnes will be looking at couple of seasons and he could attract attention from English Championship. But yeah, he is he is someone that I think would just be just a very sensible, smart pickup. No, I think he's a good shout. I think what's interesting about Lewis Mayo is that I think if you look at Kilmarnock's business over the summer, which which overall was really strong, they probably had the best transfer window out of anyone uh, yeah. in the Premier League. It was probably Finlay that everyone was really excited about coming back in because he'd already proven himself. But to me, Robbie Dees and, and Mayo have been the two that have been, probably impressed me the most uh, out of the three. Uh, but yeah, I think similar to Armstrong, it, it's just the money that would be involved yeah. for him. Uh, but yeah, McEwen definitely for me is the one. Just because I'm, I'm, I just want to see us bring in someone who can drive the ball in midfield. Uh, I just feel like it's been so long since we've had that type of player. Uh, and and, and there's the type of players that, again, they're not as popular, so they're harder well, to come by. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a bit of a, almost a bit of a dying art form. You're kind of more of a, a six or a ten these days. Yeah. There's very few proper number eights sort of kicking about, so I think that's why he kind of stands out. I'm hoping we have one in the the uh, uh, the academy and Callum Sandilands, but uh, he's he's really impressed me well when I've seen him. He's someone who wants to go get the ball, take it from ATB, and he's he's really positive and and direct with it. So fingers crossed, he is someone that can come up from uh, from the academy. Before we move on to the more um, fun daft questions, the quickfire ones, how many signings do you think needed in January? Because obviously we've there's 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 talk of the. We, there, there's talk of the the right back coming in on loan from Wolves. That's likely to likely to happen, uh, I imagine, and that is the priority position. Do you think there's do you, do you think there is a need for anything else, or is it would 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 other business kind of be more kind of cosmetic or in an ideal situation? Yeah, I, I don't think there's an immediate need. You know, na- naturally, if someone <clears throat> if someone became available that represents an improvement on what we already have, then by all means, go in and sign them. Uh, if Danda, you know, if it became a, more of an issue about a nominal fee rather than paying, <clears throat> you know, over six figures for them, then naturally he could be someone that they might end up bringing in as well. But I think in terms of what we need as a necessity, that sort of right back, right wing back, uh, for cover for for Atkinson is definitely what was required. I think having boys coming back will give us another option up top again. 
Uh, Vargas, unfortunately for him, was just coming into a bit of form just before the winter break, but hopefully that can continue. Alan Forrest's had a really good productive couple of months as well. So although there's there's things I'd like to see improved upon in the final third and in that sort of midfield position that we've just been talking about, I do think that those are things that can wait until the summer when we've got more chance of maybe, you know, casting our net out wider and, and sort of getting in someone in. So, yeah, that's what I'd be looking at just now. I think if we get a right back in over the line, anything on top of that's probably a bonus at this stage. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's an, it's, encouragement. it's an encouraging position to be in because you look at... For the third uh, first season in a row, we're sitting third at the the winter break. Um, or were we sitting third at the winter break last uh, um, last year? Well, it was the World Cup, wasn't it? World so Cup, yes. Yeah, so, wasn't really a winter break, eh? We kind of yeah. started getting form after the World Cup break. So, like around January, we was getting been third the last uh, like the last three seasons, and just just on that, I think there's it's helped that there's been a con- uh, continuation in terms of the the, the squad, and it's not. That that great churn. You can look. You look at clubs. Uh, you look at clubs up and down Scotland. We've been guilty of it in the past. Is that you've got 12, 12 to fifteen bodies coming in every single year. It's good that we've got away from that position. And then when you look ahead to the summer, again, it's it's not massive work that needs to be done. It's just we're in a solid position where it's just kind of two, three uh, to elevate the team rather than uh, having to like pad it out and or restart or or, or have an overhaul because like as Darren Ross says in the comments. So, so uh, Lewis Nielsen coming back, uh, Lewis Nielsen coming back as well into the into the fold. Yeah, we we talked about that a little bit when we were doing the Scarfs podcast earlier in the week, and we were sort of doing a bit of a squad assessment. And I think for me, there's plenty of individuals that that have merit for me, but I think there's potential to say that there's some individuals that I don't know of overly convinced Naismith. I think Toby Sibbick's probably the best example of that, which is why. I kind of feel that Lewis Nielsen coming in <clears throat> probably just makes his position at the club even more untenable. I just yeah. think that, you know, if somebody came in with a, a, even a low six-figure fee for Civic, I think he would probably be uh, allowed to leave. Uh, so there is some individuals that, that may leave that, that, that might surprise some, but again, that that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to replace them like for like. It just means it opens up space for some of these B-team guys to come in. I think it's going to be very difficult, given the form that the B-team's in this season, to ask them to do it again for another year. I think they will need to see that incentive. So whether it's promoting one or two from in there and sort of giving the rest of the team an incentive to say, look, carry this on for another year, this is where you can be. I think we've got to make sure that those those gaps and those positions are there because just now they're not to a large extent, especially in certain areas of the park, be very difficult for some of these guys to get a, a sort of look in. So yeah, it could be that that maybe there won't be much churn, but there might be one or two sort of leaving uh, to allow space to try and integrate some of these younger players. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, um, it just makes a nice change from having like 15 go out and 14, uh, 14 come in. Yeah. Right, let's get on to some of the more quick fire questions. Right. So there's some good ones in here. So the, the, this one is, who gets on your HMFC-themed Mount Rushmore? So instead of, I had to Google, um, Google who the presidents were, uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. Who are you replacing them with at Tynecastle? 
I mean, this is the thing, eh? I mean, it's sort of Mount Rushmore, you're kind of looking at sort of founding fathers and you're sort yeah. of looking at people that are involved with the the legacy and the and the integration of and the sort of uh, you know the legend of a club. Uh, I think with that, it's really difficult. I, I feel like I can only really pick individuals from my time, though. Uh, I mean, Wallace Mercer probably should be in there. You know, naturally, it's there's been quite a lot of time you know removed from that period, but the club was in some mess when he came in in the early 80s, you know, we really were a, <clears throat> a yo-yo club, as some Aberdeen fans still like to still like to sort of rub us about. <laughs> and, you know, he showed ambition. He put his money where his mouth is, you know, and, including, you know, taking huge risks on his own personal fortune. And I think he probably deserves a place up there for, for what he managed to do for the club, even although it maybe had a bit of a, a sour ending and he maybe outstayed his, his, his welcome by the end. I think the the impact he had on the club in the 80s should never be underestimated. I think John Robertson needs to be in there uh, because he's a, a sort of present-day living legend. He's someone who managed to, you know, smash records and, and still have records to this day that you probably probably won't see surpassed in current culture of football. So I think he deserves a place in there as well. Yeah. I think Jim Jeffries probably deserves to be in there uh, for winning us that cup and, and probably bringing a bit of a change in culture as well. I think up until he came in, uh, the club again was going back into maybe potentially going into that yo-yo status. He came in, you know, he, he brought in his own ideas. He created a, a, a really good side and, and that was done over a sort of two, three year period as well. Eventually won us the cup uh, and I think he deserves his, his place in there as well. And the fourth, I mean, I don't know. I uh, so like I, I kind of looked at this, like do you, do you include someone from who helped found the club? Do you look at maybe McCray's battalion? But then you couldn't just you couldn't just choose one and not uh, exactly. not have yeah I know not have the rest. Um, and then you've got you've got guys who like uh, kind of Tommy Walker and Dave McKay who just they like, but before our time, so it's hard to it's it's, it's hard to kind of just well not justify them because they were uh, so successful, but without you're kind of just taking what you've been told or what you've read about. Um, I would just uh, if 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 it was my choice, it would be Mauricio Pena, Takis Fesis. Uh, Auntie Niemi and Neil McFarlane. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I'm yep. not going to argue with that. I suppose maybe maybe Rudy could maybe get a place up there. Oh yeah. Uh, in, in terms of something, you know, that would be universally sort of some something that everyone would love. Uh, so if I maybe Scatchel would maybe be my fourth one, but it's really difficult. I'm like you. I did initially start thinking. Who's been my favourite players? Like they don't necessarily have to have been the best. Just who's been my favourite players? And then I tried to look at it from that other standpoint, his sort of legacy and what they've done for the club as well. Moving on to so we'll do these quickly. Would there be a spot for Neil McFarlane? Speaking of him, in this Hearts team, 
probably not because we're <laughs> probably overly blessed for, for those types of players. Uh, nothing against Neil McFarlane, who was a, a very, very good servant. And if you think about, you know, when he signed that summer, he was very much the the unknown quantity. You know, people were sort of saying, well, we know what Kevin Twaddle's about. After a couple of games, they certainly knew what De Vries and Valois could offer us. But for what I remember, McFarlane was injured for the first few months. So I think it was... It wasn't even until around sort of Christmas, New Year, that first season before he started getting a game because he'd had obviously a, a list of injuries prior to coming into Hearts. He came, he came in on an amateur contract, I'm sure it was, because of yeah. Airdrionians or Airdrie. Uh, you know, he became such an integral part. You know, Scott Severin left the club after a year or two, so that was one of the central midfielders. You know, Phil Stamp was not overly relied upon all the time for sort of fitness reasons. And McFarlane became a bit of a mainstay in there for sort of two or three years. Uh, but I just think it, we're so blessed with those types of options just now that unless he unless he'd added a, a couple of bits to his uh, skill set, then I don't know really what else he could bring to this this current setup. If Benny moves, bring him back. <laughs> it's so from Neil McFarlane to <laughs> David the Boer. How would you fit David Abua into the current heart squad? And how many goals would he get? Easily 10 plus, in my opinion. That was a <laughs> well, question. I, I think for me, I, I always remember when Jim Jeffries came back to the club 2010, they, for a few months until they managed to get the Kevin Kyle deal done, they decided to sort of go with Abua as a bit of a sort of makeshift forward. Yeah, uh, He actually had some really decent games up top for us. I think the, the best one was probably that game against Hibs, where him and yep. Gary Glenn absolutely tore Hibs. I mean... How we only won that game 2-1, I don't know. I've, I've went back and watched that game a few times and the amount of chances we missed that day. Uh, but they absolutely terrorised him. And he, and he did have he did have a little bit about him. I, I think there was a, a laid-back approach to his play, which probably wound up football fans in general. So I think in today's game, I would say that things like the press and that have even, it's, it's, it's moved up a step even from Abua's time. And I think that aspect of his game would definitely probably still annoy people. But he, he would offer us something as a potential uh, option up top and yeah. something slightly different that you can use for certain fixtures. Yeah, I would. I, that's exactly how uh, that's how I viewed him. Just as because uh, people have talked about a target man, he could he could fill that role just as a as a squad player. How many goals would he get in terms of this season when you've got um, Shanklin and eighteen of uh, the next top goal scorer on three? Uh, I think ten could be a stretch, but I'll, I'll go 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 seven. <laughs> that's right fair enough. Then. Yeah, we'll fi- uh, we'll finish up with this one and. Uh, if we had to sign one Hibernian player, who would it be? So I think out of this, I'm sort of torn between Josh Campbell and Eli Yuan. Uh, Josh Campbell, because I keep thinking about this position that I want to see us fill in. And I look at Josh Campbell and he's, he's kind of been mucked about a, a lot, sort of under different Hibs managers. You know, he, he started to come onto a game under Jack Ross. He got that extension. He was sort of playing as an advanced midfielder and he brought a lot of sort of drive to that team with a bit of an eye for goal as well. Sean Maloney then came in and then saw him more as a deep line midfielder, which I think even Joss Campbell will admit is not his strongest position. So that kind of seemed to hinder his development. Uh, I would say Lee Johnson then started to get the better out of him. 
uh, and again started to play him a bit more in an advanced position. And there were certainly games last year where he kind of, I would say, dragged Hibs through certain certain matches. And then this season it's been more up and down. You know, Montgomery hasn't really fancied him much for the opening few games, and then he's been starting to get involved a little bit prior to that unfortunate injury. So he's always someone that I've had a little bit of an eye on. I think Yuan, so unpredictable, and again, the there's times where he frustrates some of my Hibs mates, but he's certainly got quality uh, and, and again, probably has more individual quality than than some of our current options in the Hearts team. So they're the, they're the two that sort of really strike out at me. Martin Boyle, pre-going away, probably would have been near the top of that list, but he's really struggled to recapture that form. And again, some of that might be down to being played through the middle more often since Montgomery's come in. Uh, so yeah, Yuan and Josh Campbell for me. I enjoy the source net, uh, networker saying that not interested in any of their players. Uh, I, I, I like, I, I like, I do appreciate that uh, that attitude. But yeah, you you and for me, like Grant's uh, Grant uh, patient says, would be you and uh, you and for me for gritted teeth. I just I think he's a really fun player. He is blistering pace. He's got so much quality. Yeah, he would, he would frustrate the living daylights out of Hearts fans. But I think he'd come up with, with big moments, and he's probably got something that not. Like no one in the Hearts team could uh, match match his pace and what he would what he would offer. He can, he's versatile as well, so he could fit into a uh, four two three one. He could fit into um, the back three with uh, kind of playing through the middle. So yeah, Ellie Ewan would would definitely be the one for me. Scott, thank you very much for that. That was uh, that was excellent. There's some really good questions. Uh, apologies to didn't get into any many questions that were come through the YouTube ones. They've just got so many, had so many to get through. Uh, there was one question about how much would Ken of Vargas cost? I'm, to be honest, I, uh, to be honest, I am not sure what the exact figure is. I think there's been different figures bandied about. So uh, I'm afraid I can't shed any light on that. But once again, thank you very much for everyone for listening, for reading, for subscribing. And uh, we will be back with more videos next week. Until then, Thank you very much and have a nice weekend. Have a nice weekend, Scott. Goodbye.